0: This is episode number 47 with Mark Sisson. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating. And wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, habits mindsets, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Beautiful. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you two very exciting things. You can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And if you pre-order before the 18th of December, you can get your hands on some epic bonuses such as retreats, juju cups, hotels, jade eggs, organic makeup a Holden car for a weekend, books, meditations and even a scholarship to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. How epic is that? All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide and on that page you will find all all the details to pre-order and claim your bonuses. So head there now. The second super exciting announcement is that my husband and I are collaborating to bring you the Open Wide tour around Australia in January and February 2018. This is a celebration of Nick's music and to celebrate the release of my next book, Open Wide. Now imagine a TED Talk meets Coldplay concert. It's a fusion of music, meditation, and motivation, and you can get your tickets for that at nickandmelissa.com. Mark is the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint, a former world-class endurance athlete and one of the leading voices of the evolutionary health movement. His blog, MarksDailyApple.com, has paved the way for primal enthusiasts to challenge conventional wisdom's diet and exercise principles and take personal responsibility for their health and well-being. In today's episode, we chat about his journey from endurance athlete to where he is today, whether the keto diet is right for you. How to ditch carbohydrate dependency and become a fat-burning beast for good? How often is the ideal time you should spend in ketosis? How important bio-individuality is when it comes to your diet and health? How sleep affects your metabolic rate and ability to burn fat? Why play is the key to happiness? how to eat from a place of love and not fear and why it's so important, how he deals with stress, what is forest bathing and why you want to do it every single day, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out, of course, in the show notes, and that is at melissarambrasini.com forward slash forty-seven. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this epic episode with the one and only Mark Sisson. Welcome, Mark. I usually start all of my interviews off by asking what people had for breakfast that morning. Now, I have read what you eat in a day, things like a mulberry leaf silkworm salad with shredded mulberry leaf tossed in a mulberry vinaigrette. You know, sometimes you'll throw in a few molten worms for extra crunch. So, I am very excited to hear what you had for breakfast this morning.
1: I didn't have anything for breakfast this morning. I typically don't eat breakfast, and that's part of my deal. Uh, that's part of uh, my having experimented over the years with uh, energy and uh, performance as it relates to my diet and timing of, the, of day. And I found that when I get up in the morning, I have all the energy I need to get the day started. I jump out of bed ready to roll. I do have a cup of coffee. Typically, it's with a little bit of heavy cream. And that's it until probably 1 p.m. when I have my first meal.
0: Mm, Okay. This is really interesting. And I can't wait to dive more into that. But before we go there, you have created an empire. What you've created and built, the books, the programs, the products, the people's lives that you have changed, it's mind blowing. But can you take us back and tell us how you got to where you are today? Like, how did this all unfold for you?
1: Well, it's a pretty a pretty circuitous route with lots of pivots and u-turns um, lots of closed doors um, and some good luck thrown in there for sure um you know i started as an athlete i was a endurance runner initially in the in my teens and then through college and later uh in my early 20s i perfected honed that uh, that skill if you want to call it that uh was uh very much interested in finding ways that I could improve my own performance and at the same time improve my longevity uh, and, and increase my health. Uh, so I took on aerobic training as the main basis of that because there was a lot of uh, information in the conventional wisdom of the day that aerobic training was the best way to assure that you were uh, a performance beast and it would live a long time. Uh, I started consuming lots of complex carbohydrates like lots and lots of them because I needed that amount of calories to fuel all the running that I was doing. And um, over the years, I became a very good runner, a competent runner. I finished fifth in the U.S. National Championships for the marathon in 1980. I went on to finish fourth at Ironman in Hawaii. Uh, So I sort of, you know, maxed out my performance capacity, but I also was starting to fall apart on the inside. I was starting to get all sorts of maladies, uh, whether it was joint related from Overuse and training too hard, or uh, tendons uh, having become inflamed again from overuse, but partially also from the diet that I had chosen to uh, take on. I uh, started to have gastrointestinal problems at a very early age that lingered with me into my 40s. I uh, had, um, you know, all sorts of, of other uh, maladies. I'm going to say I had arthritis uh, in my fingertips in my 40s, I had gastroesophageal reflux. Disease—they call it heartburn Um, now—and all these things were like. Wait a minute! I'm 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 doing all this to be healthy. I'm doing all this to live a longer life, and yet I I feel like I'm I'm literally killing myself. What is going on here? And um, I had to retire from competition because of my injuries. I couldn't train at that elite level anymore. So I kind of took a step back and thought, well, what's you know how how can I be that strong, lean, fit? Happy, healthy, productive human being, I want to be without all of this sacrifice, without all of this pain and suffering. Uh, And that's how I kind of dedicated the next 30 plus years of my life to figuring out ways in which we can turn on some of these genetic switches that we have that build us and rebuild us and recreate us and renew us uh, on a daily basis based on some of the lifestyle choices we make, the foods that we eat, the types of exercise we choose to do, the amount of sun exposure we get, the amount of sleep we get. You know, all these things have an effect on our genes and, and how our genes um, create proteins that, again, that go on to rebuild and repair us. So that's become kind of the main impetus for the work that I've done, which has manifested itself in my blog, in Mark's Daily Apple, uh, and in my books, uh, the most um, popular, which is The Primal Blueprint. And to this day, um, my research continues to look at uh, these, uh, uncovering these hidden genetic switches that we all have.
0: Mm, what an amazing journey. I've had, you know, a lot of people who have got similar beliefs to you. We've had Dr. Joe McColo, Dave Asprey, Nora Gagaudis, Terry Walls, um, and have all kind of focused uh, very similar on that ketogenic diet, which you have. And they also talk about, you know, sun exposure and sleep as well. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts around this ketogenic approach. For some people, Is it the best option? Now, the reason I'm asking is because for my husband, it really did mess with his hormones and he started having oxalate issues and liver congestion. And this is someone who is, you know, a biohacker and who tracks and does everything so well. But for others, it's life-changing. So what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, so my most recent book is called The Keto Reset Diet. Reboot your metabolism in 21 days and burn fat forever. So I'm really big on keto at the moment. Uh, and I, you know, I, I sort of established my credibility in this field with the primal blueprint, which is a version of the paleo diet, which is sort of, of necessity, a relatively low carbohydrate diet. So I've been low carb for 15 years for me. Um, and by the way, I was my energy levels were fine. My muscle mass was great. Um, my body fat was low. Uh, my cognition was spot on. My sleep was good. So I really didn't have a reason to shift uh, into uh, anything other than what I was doing, which was kind of a, just a great clean food, real food, low-carb diet. But uh, as you probably gathered from my opening statement here, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a seeker of performance. I want to look to find out what the next level of performance is. Is there something else available to me out there that I haven't looked at yet? Uh, and so I explored this world of keto, and lo and behold, uh, after two months in deep ketosis, I started to see an improvement in muscle mass and a decrease in body fat, uh, increase in energy. Um, I found I could, I needed a little bit less sleep at night. So I thought, well, you know, if all these, these sort of uh, benefits are available to me, and I already thought I was t- doing pretty well. Imagine how these benefits might really change someone's life who, re- who needed to access more energy and needed to build muscle or needed to learn to, to, to burn off more body fat. Uh, and that prompted my my long-term exploration into keto. and I, I'm a big fan of keto and the keto diet and I'm a big fan of now having having said that, look, there are lots of ways to do keto wrong. Um, and I hear horror stories of people who have embarked on a ketogenic uh, way of eating for themselves and and you know much like you described, kind of mess with their hormones a little bit or they they just never got out of a funk. Where they're they were moody and depressed uh, and had low energy, and I would argue that a lot of that is for having maybe approached it um, the wrong way, and that was the the essence of my book, the Keto Reset Diet, is to stair step people into it so the experience is is genuinely pleasurable and beneficial, and and accomplishes this uh, goal of resetting your metabolism to what we call uh, the term we use is metabolic flexibility to be able to burn. Whatever energy substrate is available, whether it's fat or carbohydrate in the form of glucose um, or, uh, and, and maybe spare protein in the process, certainly making ketones and burning ketones. So the idea here behind the keto diet and the keto reset diet is to, is to create a metabolic flexibility and a metabolic efficiency that gets you more energy for less, you know, for, for less input of food, if you will.
0: Mm, mm. That sounds really good because it's it's about ditching the carbohydrate dependency, which so many of us have. I know I did when I was in my early 20s. So it's, it's not about getting completely rid of the carbohydrates altogether. It's just about balancing the blood sugar levels.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. It's not about get, getting rid of carbs. I was already at a point where maybe my daily carb intake was between 80 and 120 grams of carbs a day. And for the average person who doesn't know low-carb eating and doesn't know the ancestral paleo-primal way of eating, that might sound like ridiculously low carbs. But if you get rid of sugar, sugared beverages, sweets, pies, cakes, candies, cookies, biscuits, as you call them, uh, if you get rid of processed and uh, refined grains, and in many cases get rid of even whole grains, um, and you come down to copious amounts of vegetables, a little bit of fruit, um, quality sources of protein, you find that 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 even eating to uh, tremendous satiety at every meal, you're hard pressed to exceed 120 or 150 grams of carbs a day. So to go keto, for the most part, you want to get your carbs below 50. Uh, and what, what that does is it literally sends your body a signal that there's not going to be a lot of glucose available for the foreseeable future. And therefore, we need to tap into this Ancient wisdom in our DNA that is all prepared to go into a um, an adaptive cycle that increases the amount of mitochondria in your body, and particularly in the muscle cells, that that builds what we call the metabolic machinery to be more efficient at burning fat because there's not going to be so much carb or glucose around. Uh, that creates this amazing new super fuel that we are going to call ketones. Uh, ketones. Take the place of glucose and do a better job of fueling the brain, for instance, than glucose does for the most part. Uh, and over over a period of several weeks, you can get to the point where your body is producing these ketones. You don't need that much in the way of glucose, uh, and you are able to teach your body to store to burn off its own stored body fat. Um, the end result of that is what we are describing as this increased metabolic flexibility, more energy, the ability to go long periods of time without feeling hungry or having the cravings, Uh, and, and it all comes from literally finding an extra 50 or 60 grams of carbs a day that you're currently eating that, if you choose not to eat them, will kind of lead your body comfortably and gently into this world of keto.
0: Mm. And do you suggest just doing this in six week periods, maybe once or twice a year, or you know, what is your recommendations? Or do you believe that we can be in this state for long periods of time?
1: That's a great question. I have a lot of friends who have been in this in in keto for fifteen years, sixteen years. Wow, wouldn't have it any other way. Love it. Love the concept. Um, and
0: that works for them. It uh,
1: works. Tr- uh, are you kidding me? Not only works for them. I mean, mm-hmm. why would they do it if it didn't work for them? Because at some point, yeah, it, totally. You know, if if you didn't feel better doing it, um, even if you knew intellectually it might be good for you, why would you? It, it, it wouldn't be sustainable. If you didn't feel better doing it, it just simply would not be sustainable. By feeling better, I mean you have more energy, you don't get sick, uh, and most importantly, you don't you don't get hungry. I mean, that's the beauty of of a true keto reset is that you don't. <laughs> You know, this, this whole concept of eating, living your life one meal to the next based on hunger and hunger pangs and cravings, that goes away. So to your point, um, what, what we talk about in the Keto Reset Diet is we say, you know, maybe treat this the same way you would do a cleanse or something once a year or, or training for a 10K for a couple of weeks. You know, you, you wouldn't just enter a 10K and say, oh, I'm just going to raise the 10K and see how I do. I mean, some people, I guess, would, but but the better way would be to train for it so that when you do the 10K, it's pleasurable, you have more fun doing it, you recover faster, and so on and so forth. So if we suggest that by spending some time in ketosis each year, and I'm suggesting six weeks is like a great amount of time, um, and if you never if you went out of ketosis after that and never kind of did it again for another year you would benefit from all the work you did you'd benefit from the increase in mitochondria you'd benefit from the improvement in metabolic flexibility Um, you'd find that naturally your appetite diminishes and therefore even when you start to reintroduce the kind of carbohydrates that would take you out of ketosis you don't notice anything. Your brain doesn't go crazy. Your energy levels don't dissipate because you you become so metabolically flexible. You, as I say, you can burn fat when fat's present. You can burn carbs when carbs are present. Uh, You can burn ketones when ketones are present. And, and that's kind of the natural state of the human body. That's how we evolved to be really flexible in how we extract energy from, from substrates, from fat, ketones, and carbs. And, and unfortunately, sometimes from protein. Um, we don't want to be, be be extracting that much energy from protein because protein is supposed to be there for structural components, for enzyme manufacture, and things like that. Um, but this this um, ability to up ramp uh, ramp up your metabolic system once a year and then benefit from it for long periods of time afterwards means that if you do a keto reset, you can benefit for the rest of the year, or you could stay. Keto, which a lot of people do. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm going to be keto for a long time. I did two months of keto um, the beginning of the year. And then, uh, you know, I went out, actually went to um, Greece uh, for a vacation. And there was no way I wasn't going to eat baklava when I was in Greece. <laughs> so I went out, of, I went out of keto, but it, it, because I'd done the work and because I would built this metabolic flexibility, it's like I, had I not measured my blood ketones, I wouldn't have known what state I was in because I had the same energy levels, the same muscle mass, the same sleeping patterns, because I'd done this work and built this metabolic flexibility because I literally trained my body to be that good at burning fat, whether or not there's fat on my plate or whether I'm taking the fat off my stomach. Uh, And that's the, the goal here is to become, is to become really good at burning fat, become a fat burning beast, as we say.
0: So you put in the foundational work and once you kind of do that foundational work it's it's so much easier if you say like you said you wanted to you want to go to Greece because we just went to Greece as well and my husband was the same he's like there's no way I'm not having the baklava like I've got to try it how important do you think in diet and with the keto approach how important is bioindividuality? Because we're all so different and we live in different environments and we've got different demands. So, how do you kind of approach each individual person with your 21 day reset?
1: Well, so that's a good point. And this term bioindividuality, which I think Joshua Rosenthal and his group over at IIN probably has done more to promote. Um, it's an interesting concept. The reality is, we do all build muscle the same way. We all burn fat the same way. We all create an immune system the same way. Um, so this is the; these are the instructions in the in the genes that we all have. Now, the degree to which we do all these things differs among individuals, largely based upon the the gene sets that our parents gave us. You know, which some of us are maybe doomed to um, be a little bit better at storing fat and not so good at burning it off. So we do have to look at these, um, the 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 difference between individuals, uh, and and yet if you overlay a template like a keto eating strategy on most people, and you said, well, we're going to start by stair stepping you down, cutting the sugars, the sweets, the candies, the cakes, the pies, the you know all the stuff we probably know you shouldn't be eating, and leave you with real food. Um, most people are going to respond to that favorably. I don't know anyone who would who would not respond to that first step quite favorably by getting rid of the clearly offensive ingredients, which by the way, also includes the industrial seed oils, you know the the highly um, uh, refined polyunsaturated fatty acid uh, uh, omega six oils like corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil, things like that. So once you get rid of those offensive foods, now we're talking about, okay, if somebody wants to go keto, uh, do they cut their their carbs down to twenty grams a day? Is that what it takes to get their liver producing ketones and their and prompt their um, their muscles to start increasing what we call mitochondrial biogenesis, making more mitochondria? Or in the case of a reasonably fit person, maybe it's only sixty grams of carbs a day because that person is burning off the uh, the carbs. In a workout every single day, so they're effectively uh, uh, free of glucose by the end of the day, anyway, every day, and therefore achieving that same state of prompting the genes to start doing their magic to adapt to this low glucose situation. So, yeah, there there are those sorts of um, differences among individuals, and then there's also the fact that people are different ages, different sizes, different sexes. There's different hormone. Uh, regimens that people are are living through. Uh, clearly, women have uh, a cycle, a monthly cycle. Uh, you know, men d- don't have that, but have their own um, uh, uh, issues with regard to hormones. Uh, you may have done a lot of metabolic damage to yourself over the years. Uh, not, I'm not going to judge your choices, but maybe the choices you made in terms of the diet uh, and exercise strategy were not, did, just didn't serve you. And you might be... You know, three hundred pounds now you know two hundred and twenty kilos and 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 find yourself um wanting to make a break and start to do something different and realize that you're not gonna you' you're not gonna just fix that damage in six weeks right i mean it may be it took you decades to to do the damage it might take you a little bit longer to repair the damage, but all that means is that it might take you a little bit longer to get to this um, wonderful state of of keto that we talk about. Um, interestingly, in the book we have we stair step people over a twenty one day process, which is basically having you go low carb. We would call it primal, um, and it's only then uh, that we have this midterm exam in the middle of the book, uh, which you have to get a seventy five on or better, in other words, to uh, to to pass. To, um, to move on to the next level, which is to li- literally earn the right to go keto for the six weeks because we want it to be pleasurable so that the exam has questions like, well, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning and how long can you go in the morning without eating uh, and still maintain energy and still have you know, uh, productivity at work? Or can you do a workout at the gym, fasted, and not have to eat immediately after the workout? These are all indicators of whether or not you become better at burning fat because that's really it's your energy levels that um, are a result of your becoming fat adapted and be and and able to access stored body fat instead of having to eat yet another meal to get energy uh, these are the sorts of criteria that we would use to determine whether you were actually um, succeeding in this mission of becoming fat adapted and keto adapted which again is the ultimate goal of all this stuff it's to it's to become really good at burning fat.
0: Mm. I was just reflecting back to my partner and I my husband he he tends to need more carbohydrates than I do where I can really limit mine and I still have that you know, that energy, I jump out of bed in the morning, where for him, like I said before, it really did affect him and it really did deplete him a little bit. So, it's really interesting just to see how everyone is so different. And and it does, it depends on, you know, what we've, what maybe the damage we've done in, in our earlier years or what's going on for us. But yeah, it's just, I find it really fascinating. And it really is about doing what's right for you, I think, and finding what's right for you. But I'm curious to hear the role of sleep. How does that affect our metabolic rate and our ability to burn fat?
1: So, um, one of the more overlooked uh, variables in a healthy life and a healthy lifestyle is sleep. Um, I think people. You know, we live in a, in a hectic, fast paced world. People have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, they got to run around and scramble and cover their to-do list. Um, sometimes at the end of the day, they're more inclined to, um, watch TV or to not miss out on an evening event. Um, um, and, and as a result, um, are more prone to sacrifice sleep. In many, many cases, actually, people actually brag about, well, you know, I got by on five and a half hours of sleep the last, every night for the last week or whatever. And, and um, there's kind of a badge of courage that people have exhibited with regard to sleep and with regard to this notion that, um, well, we can sleep when we're dead. But in fact, uh, that's closer to the truth than you may want to um, actually acknowledge. Sleep is critical to the repair of the body. Sleep is critical to maintaining these um, delicate hormonal cycles that we just touched upon uh, briefly. Um, One of the things that happens when people don't get enough sleep is they secrete more of this stress hormone, cortisol. So oddly enough, or interestingly enough, when you are trying to burn body fat, cortisol is something that you don't want to be secreting a lot of. Cortisol actually promotes the, the depositing of fat, the storage of fat, and promotes the breakdown of more muscle tissue and more glucose. Uh, and so these are exactly the opposite of what you want to do when you want to become a good, efficient fat-burning machine. So the less stress you can encounter in your life, and wh- that also includes, by the way, just regular stress of, of, of worry and um, you know traffic. Uh, considerations and the noisy neighbors and the, and the, and the boss yelling down your whatever, you know, it's like we have so many areas of stress in our lives that, that, that do have an impact on how our adrenal glands secrete cortisol. Uh, And we want to be cognizant of the fact that, that stressful environments do not lend themselves to the efficient burning metabolization and burning of fat. Therein is so that's the whole reason that sleep becomes this important and critical factor. If you get your sleep dialed in, uh and you can start to mitigate some of these stress hormones and obviously then also repair, do the repairs that your body wants to do as you as you sleep at night and do some of the neural rewiring and networking that the brain needs to do for you to wake up uh, uh you know, excited to take on the world and and not depressed or moody. Uh so sleep is Sleep is huge and we cover it a fair amount in the book because there's, there are ways that you can establish a, a comfortable, uh, and efficient sleep environment. Uh, you know, I, I, guess the term that kids use these days is hacks. I don't like that term so much myself, but it, but it is what people are, you know, whether it's, uh, using blackout curtains and, uh, maybe even, um, you know, a white noise, uh, it's, um, uh, keeping the room at 66, 67, 68 degrees, Um, we even have some access to some, um, pads that you sleep on that cool the bed down because I'm a a firm believer in sleeping on a cool surface, um, all of which is contemplated to, to improve the quality of your sleep.
0: And how many hours do you think is ideal?
1: Well, you know, so that, um, depends from one individual to another. I mean, in my case, I like to get, I like to get a minimum of eight hours. I rarely get more than eight and a half but I like to get a minimum of eight hours and uh, and I make no apologies for that. So, um, and, and in my case, because I wake up the same time every day.
0: What time do you wake up?
1: 6.30 AM. So it, what it means is I have to go to bed, you know, at a relatively um, uh, comfortable hour to get those minimum eight hours. So I try to go to bed like 10.30 um, and that gets me my eight hours. Um, sometimes, I, I rarely go to bed past eleven and sometimes I go to bed at ten. Uh and and but the I guess the point I'm trying to make is if I have some event where I'm staying up till like midnight or twelve thirty or one thirty or god forbid two o'clock, I still wake up at six thirty. So there's I, I can't make up for it on the back end by oversleeping. For some reason. That's just my my wiring. But that's another element of quality sleep is is having regular sleep times, regular sleep intervals. Um which is one of the reasons that we get so messed up if we travel across time zones. You know, one of the first things that gets negatively impacted is our sleep cycle.
0: Mm. Now, you have a lot of success stories on your website and they're they're so amazing reading them. What has been the most common things that you have seen that when these people have changed has made the biggest difference in their life?
1: Well, you know, it's going to be... a little mundane to say this, but um, we have people who have lost 150 pounds, who've gone off of meds that they thought they were going to be on for the rest of their lives, uh, who've not just transformed themselves but transformed their families. The single greatest testimonial we get is this, um, and I, the best way I can describe it is when someone, when uh, you know, one time wrote, "Well, I've lost 120 pounds, but I feel like I've lost." a thousand pounds off my shoulders because I know I can do this for the rest of my life. I know this is sustainable. And that's the excitement that people have is like, wow, um, I'm 40, 45, 50 years old. I thought I was headed down this slippery slope. And now all of a sudden I can see how I can improve my health and my fitness and my strength for the next decade or two. I mean, literally imagine being 50 years old and thinking, all right, if I start today, I'll be even stronger at 60. Then I was at 50 um, and possibly even stronger at 70 um, based on this trend, uh, reversing this downward spiral that I was on with meds and with, you know, la- lack of energy and arthritis and an unwillingness to move because of the arthritis and, and ennui or an ennui or a lack of energy because of how I was eating. And now all of a sudden I'm this, you know, mobile, um, energetic beast who wants to get out and move and wants to find ways to play and have fun. Uh, I mean, that to me, that's just the, that's the essence of being human, by the way, is, to, is, is having fun, is to enjoying every possible moment that you can. And certainly um, health is at the center of that. And then certainly diet and, and some, you know, things like sleep are at the center of achieving optimal health. So they all kind of go hand in hand, but the ultimate goal is just to have fun, just to enjoy life.
0: Mmm, I love that. I read on your website, my most prominent motivator is the pursuit of pleasure and happiness in life. And I just love that so much because I've seen it with so many people on this health journey. And even the spiritual journey, they get so caught up and strict and in their head, which is kind of defeating the whole purpose of being in the present moment with you know, living our truth. And they get so stressed and so worked up and so in their head that they totally miss the beauty of the present moment, the magic that's right in this moment. So, I love that you have such a huge focus on that. And I'm curious to know, in the 21-day reboot, um, what's involved in that? And do you incorporate a lot of play and things like that in that 21 days as well?
1: Absolutely. Um, I guess the first kind of uh, area that I'll touch on with regard to that Almost hedonistic approach to 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 life uh, is that I want for myself and for everyone who follows my my work uh, every bite of food to taste great. So I don't want people to be choking down some green concoction that they were told is really really healthy, but you better drink it because it's good for you. You know, I want to enjoy every single bite of food I eat. So in the twenty one day reset program, we have recipes that are just incredibly great tasting awesome recipes many of which you know if you served them to your friends who had no idea what sort of an eating strategy you were on they would look at you like cross-eyed and go wait a minute this can't be healthy this is just way too good so that's part of it the food the enjoyment of food every bite of food um i want to be enjoy i want to enjoy it having said that i also I, I I have developed the skill to know when it's time to stop eating. So I also know when I'm no longer hungry for the next bite, and that actually, if you think about it, that, also contributes to the 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 concept of satiety and knowing when you're sated um, and and you've enjoyed every possible bite of that food, but beyond which it's just now, it's just a matter of, okay, am I finishing my plate? Or, I mean, the example i use is like a piece of of cheesecake. Somebody cuts you a huge slice of cheesecake and you might think, well, that must, that's a serving. Somebody thought that was a serving size, so I'll finish the serving. But maybe, you know, the first bite on a scale of one to 10 is a 10. It's like, oh my God, this is incredible. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to savor this. Maybe the second bite, that's an eight, you know, it's like, okay, I got the first bite that was, but now the second bite, yes, yeah, still really good. By the time you get to the third or fourth bite, the the incremental pleasure that's being contributed by that particular piece of, in this case, cheesecake, it could be any any type of food. You go, oh, well, okay, now I've got the experience. I got the sweetness. I got the the beautiful richness of it. Now, every bite I take beyond here is like, okay, I'm just, what am I just trying to finish the plate am I just trying to fill myself up to where I'm I feel you know overly full uh so that's part of this ability to identify pleasurable experiences and and as much as take them on from a a hedonistic starting point to also not be the glutton where the the amount of pleasure is then diminished so much and completely lost as a result does that make does that make sense Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I feel like as well with me, you know, if I go to Greece and I want to eat the baklava, if I can do it from a place of love and enjoyment and pure happiness, then I feel like it's going to, it's going to be okay. You know, like I, I, those times where i eat it and i think i shouldn't be eating it and i feel guilty and then i'm beating myself up they're the times where i may as well not eat it because you know the stress is going to be far more detrimental than just eating the baklava or the chocolate brownie and really enjoying every single mouthful so for me when you know when i have those things i really make it a pleasurable experience i'm present with it and i'm so like tasting every mouthful and i'm so grateful and i'm t- Talking about the textures and the flavors, how important do you think it is, I call this concept eating from a place of love or eating from a place of fear. How important do you think that is when we are on this health path?
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because that's that's huge. I mean, the relationship that we have with food um, for so many people has been this love-hate relationship. Um, you know, I, I have been on record as saying, I think everybody has an unhealthy relationship with food at some point or at some time in their life. And even, even if it's a burly, you know, big football playing guy who doesn't care what he eats, but then overeats too much. And then goes, Oh, I wish I hadn't had that. Um, but the, the idea that, um, that we eat from a from an intuitive perspective, first of all, and that's one of my goals is to teach people enough about food that you make your decisions intuitively. You don't have to stop and go, oh, what would Melissa say about this choice? Or, oh, what would Mark say about this choice? But you actually, you just intuitively say, up, oh, that fits my plan for right now. And I am going to eat that and enjoy it. And I'm going to savor every bite. And I'm going to, you know, again, as you said, savor the mouthfeel, the texture, um, all the nuances of it. Um, and even if it's something that maybe isn't on my list of approved, you know, items to eat on a daily basis, I will do so with no guilt, with no afterthought, with no beating myself up because I know that I made this choice right now. I made this choice willingly. I, I understand the ramifications, but you know, here I am. I'm in Greece. It's baklava. I'm going to have it. I'm going to, I'm going to love it and I'm not going to give it a second thought. And then tomorrow, you know, I'll wake up and I'll have the full fat yogurt and a piece of melon and whatever and be on my merry way. But I 100 percent agree that 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 food is a an amazing, pleasurable experience that ought not to be denied. And and, um, you know, certainly I'm not suggesting that people eat cinnamon buns every day uh you know that's that's very pleasurable but maybe in the long run that's not going to serve you in your fat burning keto weight loss goals um but i do think that there's a there's a, a great place that we arrive at where some of the choices we make um are based entirely on on our list of things that we're going to approve and and have and a couple of things are going to be you know once in a while it's just fine to have them um and they don't make us a bad person because we had them and they don't make us we don't lose our keto card or our health card because we we had a you know piece of cake or a piece of pie or or a piece of whatever i mean it's you know it's it's really important that we enjoy every bite of food we have
0: Mm, I am so glad you said that because for me, it wasn't like that. You know, in my early 20s, I had disordered eating and there was just so much stress and fear and anxiety and overwhelm around food. And it's so nice to finally arrive at a place where I am eating to love and nourish my beautiful temple. And if I do eat something, I just do it with such pure love and joy now. And it's such a relief to finally be at that place, you know?
1: absolutely and just to to sort of take the concept a little bit further um one of the things that happens as a result of uh, becoming good at burning fat and and making ketones is that because you can go long periods of time without eating because you can go not just hours but skip meals or even go days and i'm not suggesting people do this but i'm just i'm saying that you can do it you've built this This system that is able to extract energy from your own stored body fat, that's able to make a substitute for glucose or a substitute for carbohydrate from your own stored body fat and fuel your body and keep you going. Um, It it literally gives you even a greater appreciation for food when you do, do choose to eat food. So... I'm suggesting that this keto reset, one of the benefits is, is an even greater appreciation of the taste and the sensation, the feel and the, and the smell and everything that, that is associated with the food. I have to make a quick comment about something that's going on in Silicon Valley these days, which I just find totally antithetical to life in general. And that is this idea that people are making these complete meal replacements. Uh, so you put, you know, you add whatever water or something to a a bottle, and and it and and it's a bunch of powder that has all the macronutrients. It's got fat, protein, carbohydrate, vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, and all this stuff. And um, and the concept is, we do this. We made this product because we think people don't like to eat. People don't like to waste time, you know, eating when they could be getting back to programming and coding on their computers. And so we made this. We've solved the problem of of uh, humans not liking to eat. And I'm like, wait a minute. More than ever, humans like to eat. And more than ever, we ought to be enjoying that um, amazing uh, experience that food provides to us, not bypassing the, the taste buds and and all the sensory receptors to slam down 500 calories of something so we can get back to programming. It just boggles my mind that there's even a market for that, but there is.
0: Mm, It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I I think it's such a beautiful thing to sit and enjoy and especially share beautiful food with your loved ones. I just, it brings me so much joy.
1: Yeah. And the preparation of the food too. Let's not, you know, there's a whole new, um, movement around preparing food. I mean, we've got a couple of um, startup companies in this country that are worth billions of dollars that are basically based on sending food ingredients out to your house, and then you prepare them on your stove and obviously enjoy the fruits of your labor shortly thereafter. So there is that acknowledgement that, you know, food is a significant and major part of our life, and we ought not to be just bypassing that, to theoretically just become more productive at work.
0: Mm, yeah, I absolutely agree. So, I'd love to shift gears a little bit and focus the attention on you. And I would love to hear what is something that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now?
1: A lot of things, I guess. But, but my two children, uh, my daughter, Devin, is 26. My son, Kyle, is 23. Um, I actually just Published Devin's book, which is called Kitchen Intuition. It's a brilliant book. I'm surprised no one ever came up with that name for a cookbook before.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. We'll link to it in the show notes.
1: But really, the the two of them have spent the last year building building a restaurant in Culver City. Um the restaurant's called Primal Kitchen, and they are now running that restaurant. So watching my two children uh who 10 years ago, we wanted nothing to do with the family business. And, you know, we're like, oh, don't worry. We'll go off and do our own thing. And um, over time, uh, without my prompting, I might say, uh, become foodies, become involved in the world of uh, food preparation. Um, Again, Devin writing a book, uh, both of them working at restaurants uh, for a year before they embarked on this uh, owning their own restaurant. And uh, now they're both they're co-owners of a restaurant. Um, a local restaurant in Los Angeles and I'm like as proud as could be to watch them take this on and uh, and and see them flourish
0: next time I'm in LA I'll have to come and eat at that restaurant because I was looking at the menu before we got on our call today and it looks delicious
1: yeah it is I just I just had lunch there myself I, did, I, I try to orchestrate whatever meetings I have uh, in town at the restaurant there
0: do you have any, or do they have any plans of opening any in Australia by any chance? <laughs>
1: uh, not yet. We're, we're trying to conquer the U.S. first, but uh, we've got, you know, we have one in South Bend, Indiana, which I'm actually going to tomorrow um, for a, a mini grand opening event. And we've, we've got some others that we're building around the country right now. Um, but yeah, we're just, we want to we be sure we get the, the U.S. covered before we start going international with this.
0: Well, I can't wait. So please let me know as soon as you do, because I will be there on the first day. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) All right. So what is one thing that you are working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment?
1: Um, It's kind of a broken record for me. Um, It's been been this way for a long time, but I just, I don't handle stress as well as I'd like to. Um, And it's... (laughs) And it's, uh, Melissa, it's stressful knowing that I don't handle stress well. It's one of those uh, kind of positive feedback systems where um, I write about how devastating stress is, and then, and then I bring on a lot in my life. And I, you know, I I recognize, obviously, that much of it is in the brain, and much of it is in the just our thought process, and I'm always working on that. Um, and I I don't want to make too big a deal of it, because I do have my breaks, I'll go out on my stand-up paddleboard, and I'll have the most amazing meditative hour and a half, you know, I could possibly imagine. But I'm, it's just something that I'm I'm continuously kind of working on. It's like I recognize that's one of those areas. We, we call it a type A personality in the U.S. here, and I've always had that. And that's I, I would suggest that that's part of the reason that I've been successful is because of my type A uh, attitude and behavior. On the other hand, um, it manifests itself in a little bit of uh, extra stress and a little bit of, Uh, loss of sleep, shall we say. So, yeah, that's, that's my, that's, if I, like, if I could turn on a a magic switch right now and and fix something in my life, that would be it.
0: What are you doing to work on it? Are you making sure you consciously get out on your stand-up paddleboard more, or are you meditating more? What are some of the things that you're doing to really support yourself with those stressful times?
1: So I try to do a gratitude exercise every morning, uh, make a cup of coffee, go out in my backyard, kind of just uh, take in the, the breeze or the sunrise or um, the water or whatever, you know, happens to, to be in my field of vision um, and just kind of take a five minutes and just give appreciation for what uh, I do have in my life and what I've done to get myself this far. Um, I do get out on the board once or twice a week. Um uh, I try to hike once in a while, and typically when i hike, I hike alone uh that's another kind of meditative exercise for me uh and other than that um i'm tr- i i try to find quiet times and I, I don't call it meditating but just to clear my brain just to be open to um for lack of a better word open to the universal mind to the to the um collective conscious uh, just as a, almost as an exercise in, it's kind of a quasi form of meditating. And a friend of mine has been promoting this, this concept for a while. So I, I try to access that state, um, at least once a day.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. And I'm sure you live right near the ocean. So you can get out into nature because I feel like getting into nature is one of the best de-stresses there is.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and we I've written about it a lot over the years on Mark's Daily Apple, this, this um, idea of forest bathing, which is actually big in Japan right now. Um, but just getting out and hearing the sounds of nature, hearing the – feeling the winds, uh, smelling the smells of uh, flowers and trees, um, and, you know, hearing the, the insects and the birds, uh, you know, all of this stuff, these are all frequencies that our brains are, are tuned – uh, to want to, to hear. And many of us live in urban environments and, and actually never hear those sorts of frequencies. And so we, we sort of feel there's this, there's this longing or this, this lack that we can't quite identify that can be um, overcome somewhat by taking some time and heading out in nature and, and fulfilling those, those yearnings that, that our, our genetic recipe has uh, set for us.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. For me, I have to get out in nature every single day and just feel my feet in the sand or the grass and it just makes such a difference. So, I would love to hear now, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, besides your books and your children's books, what is one book that you would choose to pop in the school curriculum?
1: Yeah. Wow, that's a good question. I haven't, I've never, uh, I haven't given that much thought. I mean, um, it's a it's a heavy tome, but it would probably be Atlas Shrugged.
0: Mm, okay, I haven't read it.
1: So, Ayn Rand is a author. Um, it's the basis of a lot of uh, of um, freedom of thought and uh, you know the individual spirit uh, in the U.S. So it's kind of a um, well, it's a, a novel. It's based on um, her ideas as a philosopher. So, anyway, little esoteric, li- little out there for maybe your crowd, but highly recommend uh, every every high school student read it.
0: Oh no, this this my tribe is very open to the esoteric. They're very very into it, so I'm sure they will dive into that one as soon as they get their hands on it. So let's talk about your day and in particular, your morning routine. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day and what they do to set themselves up for success. So do you have a morning routine? And I understand, you know, every day is different, but are there any things that you do regularly?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I try to keep as much of a routine as possible. Um, I get up, as I say, I get up at 6.30. Um, I make a robust cup of coffee. Um, I, I read two actual newspapers uh, the kind that you can hold in your hand and they're they they're made of paper and <laughs> old school stuff um, and I skim through both of those. Um, I, I start my day off with uh, a bunch of puzzles one of the ones that I, one of the papers I get has about six puzzles in it and so I try to I give myself 20 minutes to um, get as far as I can on those puzzles and some days I can complete all six of them and some days I can't but um, I sort of cut myself off at that point. Um, I go out. As I say, I go out in the backyard and do my little gratitude process. Uh, and then because I work out of my house, I literally commute 30 steps down the hall to my office where I start the process of uh, answering emails, uh, finishing up a blog post, um, making phone calls, uh, having a meeting. Around 10, 10 o'clock I break for my workout. Some days at the paddle, some days I'll go to the gym and just do a uh, 35 minute workout at the gym uh, my gym is real close so i give myself a one hour time frame to to leave and be back door to door uh, for that if i'm if i'm at the gym if i'm paddling it's more like an hour and a half um, but i try to get that workout in uh, every day so that's part of my routine and i i don't like the concept of giving that up um, when i travel i don't i don't work out I, I use the times when i travel to to be okay with not working out and to get other stuff done and to and to be more um, focused on, on on achieving what I need to achieve with the trip, rather than getting the workout in. Um, back to work at you know eleven at whatever time, and and uh, go for a couple of hours until I have a, a break at lunch. I don't take a long lunch. Um, I do try to spend you know fifteen or twenty minutes eating, but uh, and I try to and I and enjoy every bite. I mean, I I just want to reinforce that, um, and then back to back to work at my desk. I might have some more meetings. Um, I try to take like around two 30 or three in the afternoon. I might do a quick dip. I have a pool that I keep unheated in the winter time. The pool can get down to the, to the high forties, uh, uh, Fahrenheit, uh, low fifties. And I try to go for a quick dip and then air dry in the sun. So that might be a 15 or 20 minute total all in experience. Um, and I can make, I can make a phone call while I'm air drying in the sun. So it's not like I'm, taking a full break, but I love that experience of being uh, cold uh, for a brief period of time, that hormetic experience. You know, I break, I typically work until seven at night and uh, break at seven. And usually my wife will be the one to remind me that we've got to spend some time together. So we'll have dinner together. Um, I do watch a little bit of mindless television. Um, I I do find that that's a way to um, unwind and not have to think about what's going on with the day. Uh, And then, um, Quite often, uh, again, at, before we go to bed, we might uh, hit the jacuzzi at ten o'clock or ten thirty at night. My wife and I, I might get in the pool again for another uh, cooling off, and then we spend some time in the jacuzzi and go over the events of the day, and then um, and then go to bed in our um, completely dark, um, sixty-seven degree room with the chili pad on the on the on the mattress, um, and start it all over again the next morning.
0: Sounds good. And you've spoken a lot about gratitude and your little gratitude ritual. So, I would love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for? Uh,
1: most recently, I'm grateful for having made the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah,
0: well done.
1: Yeah, thank you. That was a big one. Um, I'm most grateful for my health uh, because I had a bizarre um, health scare that turned out to be nothing and was, was a basically a medical mistake, which
0: Oh my gosh! I can't,
1: I can't tell you much. I'm, I'll write about it later. I, w- I don't want to give the details now, but it, it was one of these things that's like, okay, I've been writing about this for 20 years, and then I just allowed myself to get on the uh, on the medical assembly line and almost get killed. Wow. So um, I'm I'm grateful that that that's behind me. Um, and uh, let's see, most recently. Um, I'm grateful. F- I mean, I'm always grateful for my wife and, but I, but I find myself more and more grateful as the years go by, which is kind of a nice, a nice place to be right. Uh, to be even more grateful for having the type of spouse or partner that you have. And, uh, I'm quite aware of that.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. I'm sure she would love to hear that. So, I have three little rapid fire questions for you now. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do for our health today? Get rid of sugar. Okay, cool. Now, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth? So, this is about abundance in all areas of our life.
1: Appreciate what you have already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Goody, And what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our
1: life? Um, love more.
0: Yeah, love that. Oh, Mark, this has been so beautiful. And I have one final question for you. What can I do personally and the listeners do to serve you today?
1: Uh, well, so because my mission has always been to affect uh, the way 10 million people um, address their health issues by becoming more and more knowledgeable and taking back control of their own health, um, you and your listeners can serve me by taking that information and employing it in your own lives.
0: Done. Deal. We're on to it. Thank you so much. You know, this has been so amazing. Thank you for all the work that you've done. I started reading Mark's Daily Apple many, many years ago. I think it was one of the very first blogs i stumbled across and i'm not sure how but you know the information that you provide is just so in-depth and all of your books your programs everything you do is just so thoroughly researched and i'm just so grateful there's pioneers out there like you leading the way and blazing the trail and i'm just so grateful that you have given me this time to chat to us today so thank you so much
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure, and thank you for having me on the show. And you keep doing what you're doing, because obviously you're having a great impact in the world as well. And I'm, I, I am grateful that there are, there are people like you who are um, as, as witty and well-connected as you to dispel the, the myths and to disperse this information.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I personally feel like everything Mark said has really been so timely because I feel like there's a lot of misconception and a lot of people not really sure about this keto approach. And I really want to just encourage you all to tune in to what's right for you. Remember, no one knows you and your body better than yourself. So always listen to your body and do what feels right for you. Deal? Good. Now, if you got a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a five star review in iTunes because that means we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Mark and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 47. And you can also check out my other podcasts there too. Just a reminder, you can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And you can also get your hands on some epic bonuses if you pre-order before December 18th of this year. And another reminder that Nick and I will be doing our open wide tour. That'll be in January and February of next year and tickets for that are available at nickandmelissa.com. So, go there and grab your tickets today. Thank you so much for being here and for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, send them a text or an email or post it on your social media channels so that you can inspire those around you. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.